0: Today on the show, uh, we noticed you maybe fitted your boots in slip style, and we just wanted to know, hey, uh, who the fuck taught you that? Yeah. Huh? Tell us. Tell us. Answer. Answer us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? (laughs) Did Rachel teach you? (laughs) Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV.
0: Mm. My name's Abu. My name is Leo. (laughs) And Leo, we're back with another character analysis. And another (laughs) (laughs) kinds. Two for two.
1: Two for two. That's right. Dear listener, you can kind of think of this as almost a sequel episode to the Pardot Kinds episode. That we released yeah. a few weeks ago, because today we are talking about our boy or our girl, I guess, yeah. depending <laughs> on where you're consuming our Dune. Our
0: individual of <laughs> our indeterminate individual. gender.
1: Leet <laughs> yep. Kynes themselves. Yes. Now, today's episode comes in part thanks to a listener suggestion from Matthew Fenwick and William DeGrush. They wanted a kind special, and so here we are. Pardot, and now today, Liette.
0: Also, I I guess it is, I wrote this script using he, him pronouns because that's the gender of the character in the book. We'll talk about gender things at the end of the episode. Right. Just disclaimer, uh, but we don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other, as we'll talk about later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we get into the life of Liette Kynes, Mm. let's take care of some housekeeping. Yes. First up, a spoiler warning today's episode will contain spoilers from the first half of the book Dune and Villeneuve's adaptation. So Dune movie part one. So as long as you have read the first book, or as long as you have seen the 2021 movie, you are good to go for today.
0: By the way, we have not only a book club covering the first book, we also have a (laughs) watch along commentary for the first movie. So uh, check that out. Apparently people like it, which I... Am shocked to hear, but am glad that it's providing some entertainment. <laughs> the best way to support us here on Gamja Bar is to become a patron. Yes. Over at patreon.com forward slash Gamja Bar, you get ad free episodes, Ooh. boo ads, yay, ad free, <laughs> early access to the book club episodes, yes. as well as some bonus clips and bloopers too spicy for your sensitive ears, unless you pay us money and then you get them (laughs) you get to hear them yeah we don't put those bloopers on main no it's not appropriate no it's not we don't want people to know how horny we are (laughs) (laughs) how many dick jokes Uh, uh, get recorded for this podcast (laughs) i also as soon as i say that i'm like that we fail we fail horribly yeah it comes through you also get access to our exclusive discord and a bunch more and with that in mind we have to shout out our quesats hadarak level patrons case aiken Nate Hyde. Gentlemen, you're wonderful. And I don't think you would be snuck up on by a Sardau car. Never. You'd hear it. You'd hear him coming. So, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Now, another great way to support the show and snag some cool merch for you or a fellow Dune fan Hmm. is to check out our store on gomjabarshop.com. We've got apparels. We've got stickers. We've got art. Go check all of it out and uh get your grandma something nice i hear she's a big dune fan
0: a quee quisa who hello finally if you have questions feedback episode ideas uh complaints about our grandma jokes or uh, pictures of your pets <laughs> send us an email at, at com. we love to hear from you yeah anytime
1: the emails have been particularly special lately because it'll be some like huge nerdy dune email and then it'll end with oh you also asked for pictures of my pets i yeah. guess here's my cat
0: <laughs> oh it's great we love it
1: <laughs> it's amazing keep doing that <laughs> all righty that takes care of housekeeping what's the game plan for today well obviously we're talking about liette kinds mm-hmm. and we discussed in the parto episode that he played a huge part in establishing arrakis as we come to know it in the book yeah but Liet also has a hand in that. And Liet is the one that we directly interact with in the book and is the one that directly interacts with House of Atreides. So learning more about Liet's past, as we'll cover today, Liet's motivations growing up and his history before the pages of Dune really do add this new depth to scenes that, to longtime fans, are now familiar. Right. And at least for me... Honestly, after doing the research for this episode and learning more about Liet, I have a new appreciation for many of the actions he took in the book as well. Right. And I'm excited to expand on that later. I, I have a lot of thoughts about Liet. <laughs> I have a brand new appreciation for him after today.
0: Yeah. I always enjoy the like characters who don't make appearance episodes. Like the Holtzman episode is still one of my favorites. Yeah, But goodness, <laughs> a character who actually appears, what a an opportunity to get some new depth out of familiar pages, as you're saying. That's right. Now, the conversation around Liet's life will be structured in the following way. This should feel pretty familiar. We're going to start with Liet's early years leading up to the first pages of Dune. And then rather than retelling familiar chapters from Dune, we are going to focus on basically like any insight that we get from his character standpoint in those scenes. Right. And then finally, we will be touching on briefly the updates that Denis and his team have made to Liet's most recent iteration. Just worth talking about in this episode, because when else would we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we jump in and get into all of that, let's take a short break. But don't go anywhere, folks. You're going to want to learn about Liet Kynes. (laughs) There's more to him than meets the eye. Indeed. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Hopefully, the one person who only listens to housekeeping uh, is still around.
1: <laughs> who is that person? Where is Where that is person? <sighs> Commissioner Gordon! Um.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about Liette's earliest years, which is to say, Liette Kynes was born in the year. Liette Kynes began as a as a whole person. Uh-huh in 10,156 AG to parents, Pardo Kynes, and, of course, Pardo's fremen wife, Mitha, in Siechtabur. Dang, look at that. Heard of it? Yeah. And his name, oh, this is actually the first thing that kind of blows my mind.
1: Yeah, we're hitting you with the fun facts right away. Right. no preamble now.
0: Right fucking away. Uh, (laughs) Liet's name actually comes from uh, a name that we brought up in Pardo's episode so if you've heard Pardo Kynes' episode you'll recall that there was a fremen assigned to kill Pardo uh-huh like go knife him and then Pardo was like uh remove yourself remove your soul <laughs> exactly and the guy's like why well, I guess I'll kill myself with this knife
1: <laughs> yeah
0: D- huge misunderstanding but also the moment that began to mark Pardo as this messiah like figure to the fremen yeah that Fremen, who decided to throw himself upon his knife, was named Uliet. Yeah. Who is Othame's father? So we meet Othame, who becomes a Fedakin in the first book. Othame's father, Uliet, is the namesake of Liet Kynes. Wild. What? <laughs> I think I just think that's so cool because we meet Othame. We meet Liet. And we know that the dream of a green Arrakis really only exists because the Fremen took Pardo so seriously. This all goes back to literally that one fateful decision on Uliet's part. And all these characters are so intertwined. Yeah. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. Even, Even a name. So much more to it than you could have imagined. Yeah. Now, Liet's birth was actually a pretty calculated move from Pardo. The Dune Encyclopedia gets into this and it... Actually paints a pretty sad picture of Liet's life, and particularly the lack of agency that Liet has had throughout his life. Right. And this is a theme I want listeners to keep in mind, because it's going to come up quite a few times today in our discussion. Yeah. This is what the Dune Encyclopedia says. Quote, Liet Kynes's life served as a focal point for many of the historic disturbances of his time. It was not a role he deliberately sought, but one continually chosen for him. Even his name, Liet, tied him to events over which he had no control. Uliet, or older Liet, had once been ordered to dispatch his father, Pardot Kynes, and had chosen suicide instead, end quote, as we just discussed about his name. Right. But the part of that that really sticks out to me the most is that even his name ties him to events that he had no part in. He becomes part of the greater events of the Dune story, kind of... Not necessarily against his own free will, but certainly swept up in the aura of Paul and his father's dream and the Fremen, he's kind of just riding this wave of other people's influence his whole life. Yeah. So that, that that's something I want listeners to keep in mind. That's going to come up a lot today.
0: Another thing that strikes me here is we talked a lot about Pardo being <laughs> like almost unbelievably. Calculating about everything, yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the way he kind of got married to the Fremen, and when he talked about his son being very like, well, yeah, I need a kid to like carry on my dream because, right, obviously, it's like that. That doesn't sound like a super loving thing. <laughs> One element of this is by naming his son after the person who first denoted him a special being, yeah, you know, like. Uh, Uliet's decision was what made Pardo seem a saint or seem a messiah. Right. So naming his son after that guy. Yeah. You're like, oh, thanks for not killing me. But also now Liet, his whole life is this tool that Pardo is using to remind people every single day. I'm special. Remember that guy who didn't kill me. (laughs) It's really gross. Oh, Such a good point. To your, I mean, well, to your point, right? Like, this is just something that Liet doesn't have agency in. Yeah. And every time Liet's like, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Liet. People are like, oh, like, oh, Like, oh, your father. <laughs> he has to just like roll his eyes. and like, yeah, yeah. Right,
1: right. hmm.
0: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs>
1: that that is a great point about his name. It is once again, just a tool that Pardot is using in addition to using his literal son as a tool to complete his dream. Right. Clearly not a very warm father-son relationship. But our listeners might be wondering, it takes two to tango, right? Where's his mom? (laughs) Right. Uh, Unfortunately, the answer there is that his mom died shortly after giving birth to him. And Pardo Kynes never bothered to remarry. Right. The encyclopedia actually kind of put it hilariously that – he basically was just like, well, I did it once, right? Like I had the kid, I yeah. had the marriage. Right. I got e- I got ecology shit to do. I don't have time for <laughs> domestic life. And so that's it. He spent the rest of his life as a widower and never bothered to remarry. So Liet's only parental figure his whole life was this extremely
0: distant and cold father. He's like, what do you mean? I checked that box. Like, what do you want from me? I can't <laughs> right. recheck the box. <laughs> Done and done. Next. Like, what, what do you mean? Like love, companionship? He's like, I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> I've got plants to look at. Shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> to your point, uh, distant father, right? We talked so much in Pardo's episode about his obsession with his work, this kind of all-consuming thing, this focus, this drive. Uh, the thing that made him really a universe-changing mind on the subject of ecology, he was distant. And that's something that we really want to focus on for a second. He wasn't raised at all by Pardo, and in fact, had someone familiar to us step in as that kind of fatherly figure, as that mentor, as that older brother. Yep. And you'll never guess who it is. No, you might. It's Stilgar. <laughs> Stilgar of Seach to Yes basically worked as Liet's father and guide and older sibling and all of that. And in fact, Pardo joined them in blood brotherhood in 10,158 AG when Liet was just two years old. Right. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Hard to say. Don't. I have no fucking clue. They didn't. I want there to be like a blood brotherhood like article in the encyclopedia yeah. to give me eight pages right. on what that means. They don't. But um, basically I think it's just Silgar is a designated, like a godfather or like a, um, yeah you know, some sort of guardian. Y-
1: yeah. It, it sounds to me like Pardo is kind of pawning off <laughs> the responsibilities of raising his kid to Stilgar.
0: Right. And also two year old Liet is like just getting to the point where maybe he's forming memories And Pardo's like, you know what? Actually, listen, you're going to be raised by this person instead. Don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. Again, this is just a choice that's being made for Liet that I'm sure had vast ramifications for Liette's life. And it's happening so early on. It's happening literally when he's two. Right. And Stilgar, I think, is 17 at the time.
1: Right. Now, under the careful watch of Stilgar... Liet had a pretty Fremen upbringing here in Siege Tibur. Right. It followed all of the sort of standard patterns that all Fremen children grew up under here in the Siege. He was taught things like Fremen history by the Sayedinas in the Siege. He was taught water discipline. He was taught their ways and their customs and their culture. And of course, a hatred of House Harkonnen was instilled in him as well, because this was during the era when... The Harkonnens were in charge of Arrakis. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia points out, quote, To anyone not knowing his parentage, the boy would have seemed like any other Fremen youngster, the product of generations of life on the desert planet, end quote. So that pretty succinctly paints us a picture of what his childhood was like. Very Fremen. If you didn't know who he was or who his father was, that his father was an imperial planetologist from off planet and not actually Fremen— You'd have no idea. You'd be sitting next to him in class and be like, "Look at this fremen kid," or something. I don't know what this fremen class that's, like? That's what I think. Yeah, when I'm seeing fremen class, oh look at this fremen kid. It's about everybody.
0: Person in front of me. What do I think of them? Fremen kid.
1: I like. I really stumbled over that joke because I, I, my mind started wandering, imagining what fremen
0: classrooms look like. all right, class, anyway. buddy up, knife fights, go. <laughs> We're catching <laughs> yeah. scorpions with your teeth. Do it.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, that's for a different episode. But yeah. <laughs> Now, Liet's upbringing being sort of very, quote unquote, normal and very Fremen doesn't mean that he didn't stand out in his right. own ways. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't exactly like the galaxy altering brilliance that his father was at a young age. Liet's not out here going to college in his teens. <laughs> right. But... He was well-respected among the other young Fremen, among his classmates. He was very capable. Right. And, you know, being respected among the Fremen is in and it of itself a pretty remarkable feat. So Liet is still not just your average forgettable dude at the end of the day.
0: Right. Now, throughout his childhood, there is basically no relationship with his father. We're really going to harp on this <laughs> throughout <Yeah>. the episode. <laughs> if you didn't know, if we hadn't told you already, Pardot, distant. Shitty dad. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia tells us this about Pardot Quote, whatever parental feelings he might have felt for his son paled before his desire to hasten the effect of the palmeries in the Arachene ecology.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: End quote. Good <laughs> Lord. This
1: dude chose plants over his kid. Yeah,
0: it's got to be a I rough can. feeling. Love yeah. me, Papa. I'm too busy hugging this bush.
1: <laughs> oh. Damn. It's brutal. It's. Br- I feel like whoever wrote this section in the dude's encyclopedia definitely had some, like, <laughs> stuff they had to talk right. through in therapy. Because it is brutal. The encyclopedia is just throwing so much shade at Pardo, and this is one... One such example. <laughs> this quote is just so funny. I laughed out loud when I read it.
0: Buddy, I read that article you just submitted. Uh you doing okay? <laughs> You're you right talk about it? <laughs> Listen, it was Father's Day a week ago. We can talk about this. Uh no? Okay. Okay.
1: Now, fast forwarding a couple of years, at the age of thirteen, Liet successfully rides his first sandworm. Nice. In the year 10,168 A.G. And look, this is something he can hold over his father's head because Pardot never did that. Not once. Yeah. Pardot never learned to ride a sandworm. Yeah. But his son did, thus sort of differentiating the generations. Yeah. Liet was more accepted among the Fremen because he did this very important thing that's part of Fremen life. Every Fremen child, as part of growing up, learns to ride a sandworm. And so in this way, Liet is more Fremen than his father could ever hope to be. And that's a big point that is going to come up later too. Right. It is also around this time in his teen years that Pardo does start to take a more active interest in his son. And Liet begins special training under his father's tutelage. Right. Presumably about this dream of green Arrakis, teaching him all about ecology and stuff. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that by the time he was a teenager... Not only had he been accepted as a Fremen and had ridden his first Sandworm, he was pretty well recognized within the Siege community as a really good tracker and hunter and a pretty good fighter, all things considered. Yeah. He was especially talented at knife fighting and was, in fact, recognized as one of the most capable fighters in most of the Sieges. Wow. Which is like, we don't want to brush over that, right? Like That's a pretty big feat. to among the Fremen be considered a good fighter because we know how good the Fremen fighters are. They're warriors.
0: Man, I feel like this episode's also going to be building up to me getting angry about Liet's death and Denise's adaptation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Snuck up on by sandworms. Good fucking Lord. Yeah, Sardaukar (laughs) sneaking up on you. Right. Sure. Whatever.
1: Ugh. (laughs) Now, the last important thing to talk about in his teenage years, before we jump ahead in the timeline again, is, again, he's starting to work a bit more closely with his father, going through special training, and thus starting to act as this go-between for Perdot and the Fremen. He has a hand in both worlds. He is part Fremen, but he's also part his father. He's part the Imperium. Right. And he becomes sort of the translator between the two. right? And... In a sort of hilarious side note in the Dune Encyclopedia, it's noted that despite his sort of special status as Pardot's child and his other responsibilities as Dream of Green Arrakis translator, the Nabe of Siege Tibur at that time, Nabe Farad, made it a particular note to ensure that young Liet still continued to do his responsibilities as member of Siege Tibur. Right. Take out the trash clean out the rooms
0: right right right
1: maintain the dew collectors you got chores buddy I don't care what your daddy says
0: Have you fed the cave scorpions? <laughs> you better have fed them they get right they get pokey So the way the dune encyclopedia
1: puts it I almost imagine sort of like a grumpy uncle relationship with Nabe Farad is what Liette has. Right. He's got his dad telling him to do all this ecological studying and he's got the Nape being like, did you feed the scorpions yet? <laughs> <laughs> do your
0: job. You're a part of this community.
1: <laughs> oh, fine, Farad. God. <laughs> God. <laughs> right. He's also a teenager. Let's not forget.
0: Yeah. Know, he's, that's how he sounded. <laughs>
1: he's got that angst.
0: <laughs> Canonically. Fast forwarding a little bit. Let's talk about what happens when his father passes away. Because this is it's a pretty significant shift in his life yeah so at some point we're not exactly sure when but at some point Pardo Kynes petitioned the brand shiny new emperor Shaddam IV to permit Liet Kynes to take over for him as planetologist should anything happen Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Shaddam who doesn't give a shit about whatever that sandy planet whatever's going on (laughs) you know as long as I get my spice (laughs) do whatever Right. Shaddam is like fine should anything happen uh-huh. to pardot i
1: feel like you're hinting at something
0: <laughs> maybe liette <laughs> will have a job waiting for him if he wanted it all right sure whatever i, I don't i don't care i don't even know what you do <laughs> what are you planet to- i don't know what that word is go ahead <laughs> that's Shadam. now side note this is very much the still the theme of like was Liette part of this conversation? Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) Does not sound like Liette was like, hey, dad, can I do what you do? Pardo's like, no, my son's going to do what I'm going to do. Like, he's going to take up the family business. Yeah. 100%. Right. In fact, I'm going to make arrangements with the emperor of the galaxy to make that easier. (laughs) And you're like, shouldn't you like start with a conversation with your son? He's like, "Ah, it's fine. Right, right. No, it's cool.
1: Yeah. Pardo, damn it. He just wanted to... being the high school musical <laughs> he just wanted to dance
0: scorpion's lament it's all the rage <laughs>
1: <laughs> he fell in love with vanessa hudgens and he just wanted to dance and sing he doesn't care about plants
0: it's like footloose with a lot more knife fighting <laughs> well i was hinting at it Something happens to Pardo Kynes. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. I didn't know that. I think we talked about (laughs) it in the last episode. And as we covered, no, yeah, we did talk about it. It was a cave-in. Pardo Kynes in the year 10,175 AG. Pardo Kynes died in a cave-in with a number of other Fremen. What we haven't talked about, we talked about that last time. What we haven't talked about is what that meant for the broader Fremen leadership. And I think that this is endlessly fascinating.
1: Yeah, this is so interesting.
0: Especially in this fucking year in the United States, but I'm not gonna get into it. Uh basically, Pardo Kynes was sort of kinda leading all of the Fremen tribes at this point. Yep kind of all, you know, there are some wild Fremen who don't subscribe, uh, but most of the Fremen sieges are on board with this dream of a green Arrakis and his death kind of sort of meant that 19 year old Liet Kynes would now also kind of be in charge of kind of sort (laughs) of everyone. Right. It's this sort of lineage. And I think everybody, they find out Pardo's dead and they all kind of immediately turn and pivot to Liet like, well... We still good like what's going on. Right. Right. This sparked a wide reexamination of the current generation of napes. Basically, bunch of boomers, bunch of old yeah, super ancient fossil humans. I shouldn't say that's boomers, that's not. That's not accurate. <laughs> they're they're they are fossilized living fossils. <laughs> not boomers. The other what's before boomers? Uh Gen. Uh, dead people? Dead people. Dinosaurs. Yeah. boomers? No. All I'm saying is the knaves, the current knaves, at the point of Pardo's death, had all been in power for a long, long time. And many of them had some reservations about this dream of a green Arrakis. Right. They were like kind of on board. But it seems like a newfangled idea. We're not really into it. right? And again, part of me is looking at some of the institutions in the United States, and I'm looking at some of the people in power, and I'm thinking, this sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Either this resistance to change or this like super slow, stuck in molasses roundabout way of going about change, right? Both of them are harmful, right? When change is necessary and... (laughs) When change is happening in the face of it, Uh when you are just like either full on resisting it or if you are just moving so slowly that you're going to fucking fall behind anyway, like the change is going to speed by you and you're not going to – like that is the NAPES in this situation, right? Like this dream of Green green Arrakis is happening. Am I talking about the Supreme
0: Court or the NAPES? I was going to (laughs) say, got to keep it focused on Dune as much as I think right now I really want to talk about – yes. The Yes, yeah, the, the uh-huh. emotions are a bit raw this week. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. It like the knaves are this old guard at this right. point. Yeah. And I think Pardo's death is kind of the spark that the young Fremen who believe fully in the dream of a green Arrakis, who want to bring about this change, it pushes them to think, okay, wait a second. These old knaves might actually be getting in our way now. Yeah. Yes. And maybe it's time leadership changes. Right. Am I talking about names still
0: or Supreme Court? <laughs> I, if only Supreme Court could be upset by knife fights, because honestly. <laughs> and this is the thing in Fremen culture, you can challenge a nabe. And if you can beat them in one on one, on one combat, you get to rule, right? Amtal, um, 101, basics. Right. So this sparks basically a revolution. Younger, stronger Fremen who were way more on board with this idea of changing the planet. Yes, change needs to happen, and these old guard are slowing us down. And you know what? I've been able to beat them in a fight for a fucking minute, but I wasn't because whatever. What's the harm? Oh, this is the harm. Cool. Yo, Farad. (laughs) Fucking knife up, bro. (laughs) 1v1, (laughs) final destination, no items. Let's go. (laughs) Fox only. Square up. Yeah
1: yeah look i'm not a fighter i'm a lover and a podcaster but all i'm saying
0: is i could take clarence thomas in a one-on-one that's all
1: that's all i'm saying
0: Uh, you're a lover not a fighter you're gonna fuck him into submission (laughs) listen throw us under the sheets watch what happens we're gonna come out with some new policies (laughs) one way or the other bro one way or the other (laughs) yeah sword fighting is what i'm talking about (laughs) right So, (laughs) speaking of bloopers that get cut from episodes, maybe too many dick jokes. Who's to say? I'll see how keep all of this. None of this is worth cutting. (laughs) Keep keep it all. (laughs) Just imagine what we did cut. If you're whatever you're hearing, just imagine what we did cut.
1: Right. Imagine how much longer this fucking bit went. (laughs) All right, let's get back on track. Nabes, old (laughs) nabes, need to go. New, younger Fremen challenge the old nabes. Indeed. With this in mind. Coming back to Siege to Burr, specifically, yeah. the young Fremen that decides to challenge the old Nabe Farad. Remember the guy who insists you take the trash out every single day?
0: Feed the scorpions. Bleh, yeah.
1: Feed the scorpions. Bleh, Stilgar. Our boy Stilgar is the one who challenges Farad and wins. And this is when Stilgar becomes Nabe of Siege to Burr.
0: Kinda. And this is where... Like, honestly, this episode of the miniseries would be so fucking riveting. Yeah. Because literally, blood dripping from the Chris knife, mm-hmm. you know, Stilgar's panting, like, oh, I did it. Okay. <laughs> and then Liet Kynes walks in. Yeah. Liet Kynes, oh. having been raised as a Fremen in Siege to Burr, was basically expected by everybody, Stilgar included, to challenge whoever the Nabe is upon his father's death. Like, okay, yeah, your dad leads all the Fremen. When he dies, you'll formally become a Nabe and then you'll continue his path. Pardo died. News got out. Liet Kynes was out on like an expedition. He was away from the siege. So Stilgar's like, I guess I'll fucking fight for Ron. Kills him, <laughs> is now technically Nabe, and Liet walks in, and everybody. Stops. Yeah. Now we know, obviously, this is prequel stuff. We know that Liet doesn't challenge uh, Stillgar and kill him because Stillgar is Nabe when we, when we meet him. Right. But the Dune Encyclopedia outlines this moment so beautifully. Let's just get into audiobook mode, and I want to share this little excerpt. Quote: Only moments after the Watermen carried Farad's body away, Misra, and editorial that's Stillgar's first wife. Paused in bandaging the slash wound Stilgar had received on his right side during the fight, and the siege held its collective breath, waiting to see if Liet Kynes now intended to challenge his blood brother. Uh. The new name, still flushed from the exertion of the combat, also waited. While he did nothing to betray his feelings at the time, Stilgar later described this moment as more fearsome than facing a legion of other men alone. Oh
1: my God. I was
0: terrified that my brother would call me out and whether more from fear of killing him or of being killed, I cannot say. End quote. Goosebumps. Ah, so everyone's waiting, silent. And Stilgar, you know, straight faced. He's got the poker face on, wife bandaging the slash. Liet rushes over and hugs him. Oh my oh, god! Oh my god! This, uh, this episode. scene <laughs> writes itself. HBO. HBO. <laughs> In unison. Oh, not the unison. Oh, it's so good. My god! And then, <laughs> hilariously, Leah's like, "Okay, I know that I just threw everybody off with this big old hug. Can I, like, say some words? <laughs> like, guys, permission to speak." Every person in the room at once is like, fuck, yes, come on, say, say words now, please, talk. And Abu, yeah. what did Liette say?
1: Liet in this moment, basically explains that he is going to take up the position that his father secured for him. He is going to become the Imperial Planetologist of Arrakis, and he will continue his father's work. Yeah, And none of that would involve fighting Stillgard to the death in a knife fight. He was not going to challenge the Nabe. Stilgar was the Nabe of Siege to Burr. Liet, in much the same way that later in the Dune book, Paul puts himself above Stilgar as the duke, Liet kind of puts himself above Stilgar as the imperial planetologist without having to fight Stilgar. Mm. And the Fremen were kind of like, yeah, you know what? This corporate structure makes sense to us. Yeah. <laughs> and accepted this without any hesitation right they were willing to follow stilgar who of course everyone respected in the community right but because of his connection to pardot and because they believed in the dream of a green arrakis everyone including stilgar were willing to re- report up to Liette, basically
0: right it's also mentioned Liette brilliantly framed this as i'm going to like follow my father's wishes which right the fremen are like hell yeah like If I had any reservations about you, quote unquote, abandoning your like Fremen upbringing, you following your father's wishes is a very Fremen thing, like respecting the final wishes of your father. Yes. So it's a it's really a tactfully brilliant move Mm -hmm. uh, on Liet's part all around. Again, not the musical, not the Scorpion's lament, but no, whatever he's doing. He's doing right by uh, by his dad, by Stilgar, by a lot of people. Right whether or not he had full agency in the moment completely completely
1: and you have to respect that
0: totally well we're going to talk now about liet's family life and kind of how liet's life kind of blossoms in adulthood but before we do that we're going to take a quick break so stick around we'll be right back
1: welcome back folks hope you didn't have to knife fight anyone Let's continue our discussion.
0: Or if you did that, you won because. Or, yeah,
1: hopefully you won, right?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: Let's continue our discussion of Liet Kynes' life and talk a bit about his adulthood. Right. And the family he now raises. Right. It's during an extended stay at Siege Tabur in the year 10,176 that Liet marries a woman named Falra, who is. A Siege to lady that he had known since childhood. Aww. Perhaps a childhood crush. We don't know too much about their romance. Right. Just for the record, and to help orient ourselves on the timeline here, 10,176 AG HE is also the same year that Paul was born, mm. all the way on Caledon. Cool. So that's kind of where we are right now. Right. And while we don't know much about their romance, we know for certain that they fucked because the following year
0: confirmed, uh-huh.
1: They had beautiful baby Johnny. oh Our girl. Yeah. Zendaya.
0: <laughs> nice. And
1: naturally, this it was so adorable, and I love that they did this. Falra and liet named Stilgar and Misra as godparents to this new young child. Oh. Amazing. Oh my god. Stilgar's out here raising half of the cast of Dune on his own. <laughs>
0: I Listen, I'll take him. Officially, he's my godfather now. I've, I've.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want that too, actually.
0: Yeah, He's listen, now we're like brothers, right? Is that yeah. a blood Yeah, oh pack? my gosh. Did we just blood patch <laughs> in a podcast?
1: Don't you ever challenge me.
0: <laughs> don't, don't, listen, I'm going to take my father's role as artist <laughs> for our podcast. If y'all notice a noticeable decrease in quality. <laughs> now, Liet raised his daughter, Chani. In a dramatically different fashion than his father raised him, right? He is iterating on the parenthood strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Liette basically held no expectations for Chani. This, oh my God. Actually, as we get into this, this is suddenly very sweet. You think about Liette having no agency. And in this way, Liette is going, Chani will have all of the agency. Yeah, she is her own person. And this is very clearly stated in the Dune Encyclopedia, Liette held no expectations for Chani. Mm-hmm. You want to be in the school musical? Hell yeah. You want to Hell yeah. be a planetologist? Fuck yeah. Cool. You want to just fight scorpions with your bare hands? <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> All right. Be safe, but sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And the Dune Encyclopedia puts it beautifully. Quote, whereas Pardo Kynes had seen him as an heir... A person who could lead the Fremen tribes and see that the ecological transformation went on as scheduled, Lietkinds envisioned no such future for Tani. End quote.
1: Oh, my God. Beautiful. Lovely. Beautiful.
0: Love that. You know, it's that sort of like architect versus gardener parenting. Have you heard of this?
1: Oh, I've never heard of that, but please explain.
0: Yeah, it's this duality. I mean, this isn't a Dune thing. This is just a thing where many parents and y'all out in listener land might be <laughs> hit with some truth right now. Some parents view their kids as construction projects where you build them into the framework that you want them to be, right? Like oh, uh-huh. the piano player, even though it's like, I don't like piano models. Well, you're going to play, right? That's the construction yeah. method versus the gardening method. You see how they grow. You provide them the nutrients and the things they need to thrive. And as they build, grow and get taller you build the like wooden scaffolding that you need to to support them but you're not wow. guiding their growth intentionally you're just you're just a gardener you're just raising the plant yeah. and seeing what's best oh for Oh my plant. gosh yeah
1: that's beautiful yeah by that metric, my parents were probably following the oppressor method. Of
0: parenthood <laughs> the third, then. the third unspoken, <laughs> thing of it. just oppression, anything at <laughs> all.
1: The the beast Raban method of parenthood. Oh, yeah.
0: The famous third archetype. Yeah. <laughs> Glassow.
1: <laughs> oh, actually, you know, I, I do want to pause and reflect on this because this feels to me like almost the thesis of both this episode and Liette Kind's life. Yeah. And it kind of hit me pretty hard, like actually speaking of my parents. Sure. I want to share some personal anecdotes because reading this part in the Dune Encyclopedia hit home for me Mm. and perhaps a little too close to home. Sure. I'm a child of immigrants and I have grown up with a lot of expectations. There is no doubt that my parents were very strict architects for little kidaboo growing up. Right. And I see so much of my relationship with my parents – in Pardo and Liette's relationship, Pardo is this outsider among the Fremen, right? He right. is an immigrant of sorts. Yeah. And yeah, sure, like after the whole Uliette falling on his own knife thing, he's seen as an Uma, as a prophet, and a lot of people have bought into his dream. But the reality is that he can never truly be one of them. Right. And Pardo right. knew this as well. We talked at the top of the episode about why he even had Liette. It was all part of like, building this plan and convincing the fremen right his kid would carry on and do it liet then is a child of two worlds imperial and fremen he's raised with fremen values and training but he's got these expectations all throughout his life to continue his father's imperial duties right and literally ends up taking his father's imperial job as well as leading the fremen along this dream of a green arrakis the dream that he inherited mind you Not really his. He didn't come up with this. He was taught this. Yeah. I see so much of my own relationship with my family in this. Mm. And it reminds me of how my own parents can never truly be American. They've lived in America for over 20 years now. Yeah. And they will still never truly be American. And I, much like Liet, walk in two worlds. I have a foot in one world that is very Muslim, very Pakistani, and comes with all of the expectations that my parents have right and then i have another foot that is deeply entrenched in american society in the culture that i was raised in since i was a very young child yeah and i do this sort of code switching where i slip in and out of these worlds when necessary and often feel that i am never fully accepted in either right i'm never quite like (laughs) muslim or pakistani enough for my parents and i'm never quite american enough for America yeah and so I like really empathize with Liet here like writing this episode I was just like seeing so much of myself in Liet in a way that I never have before I've read and reread Dune countless times yeah I've known about Liet kinds the character forever and it isn't until today that I saw myself in him in this way Wow. and th- this really really kind of touched me in a in a sad but also very beautiful way yeah Um. and ultimately I also see Liette's decision in how he raised his child in myself as well. I'm not a parent. I don't have kids yet. I don't know if I ever will. Sure. But if I do, I'm going to go very hard in the Gardner style of parenting. Sure. Much like Liette had no expectations for Johnny because he had his own sort of burdens and trauma from his father. That's how I'd want to raise my children as well, just because I've been there. I've been in Liette's shoes. I've had that father, I've had that parenting style that, you know, for, this is only my experience. I can't sure. speak to every architect parent out yeah. there, but in my experience has been a net negative. Yeah. It wasn't a good experience growing up with extremely rigid architect style parenting. Right. And yeah, uh, the, the, it was. this is a bit of a like personal tangent, but I just wanted to share like how deeply this affected me and how much I, I saw myself in Liette and his decision to raise Chani in this way. Chani was not an extension of his life yeah. like Pardot thought Liette was. Right. Chani is her own person and he let her be her own person with her own desires and dreams in a way that Liette himself was never allowed to be under Pardot. Right. I thought that was beautiful.
0: You know, I'm I'm really glad you shared that because uh, obviously I it's not an experience that I had, but I know that it's an experience that a lot of people have. Like uh, especially here in New York where so many people You know, their parents are from DR or their parents are from Puerto Rico or their parents are from the Middle East or from, you know, there's this feeling or I had so many friends on the West Coast whose parents were from East Asia. Yeah. And that feeling of like, I don't belong anywhere and I'm being raised straddling these two very different cultures and all of the genuine trauma that comes out of that is something that a lot of people struggle with. And yeah. I don't know, I am I will be curious to hear from anybody who's listening, um, any of our listeners who are perhaps in that similar boat of being from like a multiple cultural background. Yeah. Does this cast a new light on Liat? Is this something you had already realized? You know, if anything, I, I hope that for people, this is a reminder that you're not alone in how difficult life can be. Yeah. That's a challenge that not everybody has, but you're also not alone in having it. Right.
1: And I think that there is a way to break the cycle. Liet's breaking the cycle, right? Right. Pardo, architect parent, didn't treat Liet well, raised him like shit. Liet decided that was not what he was going to (laughs) do. Yeah. It is not easy to break that cycle because generational trauma is a very real thing. Right. But I commend Liet for doing that. And in fact, I'm inspired (laughs) by him for doing that. And I hope I one day with my own daughter can treat her like he treated Johnny.
0: Well, let's mix metaphors for a second. I'm glad that you're inspired by a fictional character from 30,000 years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yes, find that inspiration wherever you find it. And listen, if you follow in that fictional character's footsteps, uh-huh. your daughter is going to be Zendaya. So <laughs> Hell yes, proof that it works. Talented, gorgeous. She's wonderful. <laughs> Brilliant, intelligent, socially aware. My God! Break the cycle, yeah. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> burn it all down. Sorry. <sighs> no, I I really appreciate you uh, sharing all that. I also had the absurdly dark humor thought: what if I just cut all of that? <laughs> <laughs> like uh-huh, right, K- uh-huh. keep
1: all that weird Supreme Court stuff from yeah. earlier, but cut cut like the actual heart of the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like I just. And then it's like, anyway, just wanted to go on that tangent. <laughs> no. I
1: Or it's just a very long bleep. It's just like <laughs> beep, beep for like 14
0: minutes. Except for when I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. No, I, I think that that casts a very it's a it's a good thing for us to see ourselves in these characters. Um so thank yeah. you for sharing. It's beautiful.
1: No. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share. Of
0: course. Uh one detail to add about uh this, this kind of story of Liet Liette and his family unit. Um Falra, Liet's wife and Chani's mother, does pass away. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of dead single parents in yeah. Dune, it seems. Uh but she does pass away in ten thousand one hundred and eighty, which is when Chani was four. Now, this is kind of rude. Dune Encyclopedia includes no details. <laughs> It just literally says accidental death, which, okay, fair, Arrakis, fucking brutal planet. I'm sure there's a million things that can kill you accidentally. Right. Wasn't malicious, wasn't something. It was probably just a bad maker hook planting or, I don't know, errant scorpion in the night. Right. So many things I'm sure could have. But detail we needed to hit, Chani's uh, mother, Falra, did pass away when Chani was four. Only five years into their marriage. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. Tragic stuff.
1: Okay. Let's continue with Liette's life. Mm-hmm. Over the next 14 years, mm-hmm. Liette really followed in Perdo's footsteps. hmm He continued helping the Fremen, continued working towards this dream of a green Arrakis, and he also fought the Harkonnens in any way he could. Right. And these next 14 years... Then bring us to 10,190 A.G., which is when the change of fief officially takes place on Arrakis, and when House Harkonnen must give up the planet and House Atreides takes over.
0: Right. Now, like many Fremen, Liet's kind of greeting this shift with guarded optimism, and the Harkonnens are fucking trash. They're awful people, all of them. Yeah. And uh, anybody's got to be better than them, but... Liet wasn't blind to the uh, Atreides Harkonnen beef, uh, you know, being the imperial planetologist. Liet is in the court, kind of like he's he's around. So he knows, OK, the Atreides, the Harkonnens, they are beefing <laughs> epically for the last 10,000 years. This is not going to be clean. Like this is yeah. a fucking messy yeah. thing that's about to happen.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So when he was officially appointed judge of the change like overseeing the shift. He then probably wasn't surprised (laughs) when he received secret correspondence from Shaddam, the fourth emperor. Hey, Liette, it's your boy, Shaddam. Shit's about to go down. You are going to ignore, quote, all but the grossest violations on the part of the Harkonnens. End quote.
1: Imagine, imagine (sighs) your boss sending you that email.
0: Yeah. After 14 years of pointedly fucking with them, hating them, generally despising them for your boss, someone you are are actually accountable to. You know, he doesn't care about imperial politics, but Shaddam turning too close an eye on Arrakis could do a lot of harm for the dream of a green Arrakis. So, yeah, you want to keep Shaddam happy. Shaddam saying, listen, no ambiguity. Ignore most of what the Harkonnens do. And you have to just sit back. You just have to buckle up to witness the destruction of this, probably better than the Harkonnens' house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether Fremen are lost, whether, you know, Fremen property is destroyed, whether any, whatever that stuff happens, just witness it. Right. See it. Don't do anything. Don't intervene. Again, literally taking agency away to, away from Leah. Literally. Hey, you know that agency you got? (laughs) Put it away for a minute because the Harkonnens are going to betray the Atreides and I can't have you making choices and shit. You got to sit back, don't do anything. And he does. He's like, I can't endanger the Fremen. I can't endanger myself. If I draw too much attention from Shaddam IV or from the Harkonnens or from the Atreides, that could be a big problem for the dream for a green Arrakis. And ultimately that is for the benefit of every Fremen and Liet is a Fremen, and it's for the good of the tribe.
1: Right. For the good of the tribe. You gotta turn the other cheek. <laughs> Famous Fremen saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, this actually brings us right up to Dune and the events of Dune. The rest of Liet Kynes' life is pretty much what we all already know. Right. The assumption is y'all have read Dune, you listened to the book club, you saw the movie. That is the rest of Liet Kynes's life. We know all of the major events beyond this point. Right. It is interesting, though, to revisit those events and think of them through this lens we've been discussing today about agency and Liet's lack thereof. Again, the Dune Encyclopedia is so spicy, and this is how it sums it up. Mm-hmm. Quote, Liet Kynes was again made a pawn of the greater forces surrounding him when he was drawn into the aftermath of the combined Harkonnen-Sardaukar attack against the Atreides, end quote. Yeah. And that wording there stands out to me so much. Drawn into this aftermath. Made, made a pawn. pawn. Yeah. Greater forces surrounding him. Your point about Shaddam being like, yo, I need you to just ignore what the Harkonnens are doing. These are greater forces once again controlling his life. Yeah. And it's interesting to think back on the events of Dune and the rest of the choices that Liette Kynes makes through that lens. Yeah. Because I kind of almost see his choices around Paul and helping them as almost rebellion. Yeah. Against this life where he never had a choice. Here he is finally making a fucking choice. Yes. He's going to help this kid. He's going to help this Duke. And maybe for once, he's going to have an impact because of his choices. Yeah. It's an interesting way to interpret his actions in the book.
0: That's such a good point, and it's true. Like as we get to these last, this last kind of idea, you cannot say that Liette's choices didn't shape the outcome of the universe, right? Like, yeah, Paul and Jessica really only survived because Liette gave Stilgar explicit orders, protect the kid, right? Liette gave Paul and Jessica the ornithopter that they used to escape the Harkonnen attack that killed Duncan Idaho, like. These are moments where Liette literally allowed House Atreides to survive, of his own choice, right? Yeah. His leadership coloring inside the lines after Pardo's death kept the Fremen on track, sure. They thrived among a very tumultuous few decades, which is remarkable and is incredible. Mm-hmm. But his active choice to disobey Shaddam IV, his big boss, was the most impactful thing he could have done and it involved directly saying I have been referred to as a pawn swept away in other people's machinations but no more I was told not to do this I'm going to do this explicitly and I'm going to save this kid because I think this kid will benefit my dream my father's dream and will benefit the Fremen period. Not to mention his daughter is, like, beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> and he, like, <laughs> <Literally Zendai. laughs> raised this incredible angel of a human yeah. who then went on to capture Paul's heart and ours, Sub Zendai, mm-hmm. and uh, so much more. So, yeah, yeah. just Liet, what, a, what an incredible character.
1: Incredible. What an incredible life. It's beautiful to think that in the last moments he sort of finally took grasp of his life and made choices that had such w- amazing impacts. On the galaxy. Right. Yeah. Now we wanted to actually switch gears here at the end for a couple of minutes and talk about Villeneuve's adaptation. Right. There's not a whole lot to say about the way Liette was portrayed in the movie. And we've already shared many of our thoughts in our many, many Dune movie episodes. Right. Littered throughout the feed. But since we are here talking about Liet, we figured this would be a good space to touch on, uh, Denis Villeneuve's interpretation of the character and some of the, I mean, controversy almost feels like a too strong a word, but some of the quote unquote controversy around the gender swap, which became this like thing on the internet.
0: Yeah. Like most people I'm sure don't even care and weren't brought into (laughs) it. But I think like Abu, you and I were on Twitter and on Reddit and like very wrapped up into a number of Dune fandoms that had some like very vocal people being really stupid just being so fucking dumb because honestly Sharon Duncan Brewster did a great job amazing job as Liette. yeah and honestly I'll I'll okay here we go (laughs) I don't give a shit okay yeah yeah I don't give a shit the gender it doesn't that it doesn't matter it's great and in fact in a like star-studded cast of mostly fucking guys. Yeah, let's get some more ladies in there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't affect a lot. Nice to see some strong, badass women on screen. That being said, the change of Liet's death is bullshit. It's (laughs) bullshit. I'm I'm still angry about this. In the book, Liet was caught in a political trap that led to being disarmed, being caught off guard, being put out in the desert to die without any resources. That would kill anybody. It was a well-written trap that would actually catch Liette unawares because Liette is not as practice of a political figure. I can see that. I can rationalize that. Liette being like, here comes the worm. Time to lower my ever-present defenses and not hear fucking Sardaukar <laughs> out of their element clomping through the desert they their right, dumb stumbling suits. Stumbling through the sand. <laughs> Probably talking to each other. Watch this, dude. I'm going to get on this lady. It makes no i tried to rationalize it so hard oh there's like the ornithopter overhead couldn't hear the f- silent footfall no these are fucking sardaukar and this is one of the most skilled fremen on the planet i don't buy it where did they come from would have seen them coming moves faster in this nothing none of it makes sense i appreciate the like okay We got eaten by Shai Halud. Cool, whatever. Badass moment, pounding on the sand to simulate the thumper. Great. Put some fucking respect, though, on Liet's name. Yeah. Goodness. Why aren't people more angry about this? (laughs) No, it's great. The movie's a masterpiece. Whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I agree with you. I fully I'm I'm maybe not quite as fired up as you. About what do you it, mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm I, I mean I mean, yeah, let's try it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree that Death, while cinematic, yeah. sure feels silly and definitely disrespects one of the best fighters in all of the sieges. Right. As we have talked about today. Yeah. Uh huh is a great hunter, tracker, fighter, knows the ways of the desert, and would definitely fucking hear some Sardaukar stumbling and bumbling their way <laughs> up oh, behind her. It, I mean, it's yeah. just... Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. It's it's a scene that sticks out as cinem- a cinematic change for the sake of some cool flashiness on screen. But right. doesn't hold up lore-wise. All of that being said, we do have a couple of questions about what Liette's legacy will mean for part two and for any potential future movies, because obviously Liette in the movie is Chani's mother. Uh, we don't get a sense of that at all in part one.
0: Mm, Right.
1: And when Paul and Jessica actually come across Stilgar and the Fremen and meet Chani, nobody is talking about Liette Kine's death at that point. Right. Maybe saving that for part two. Maybe something that will just be cut from the film. We don't know, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle the Chani Liette mother-daughter relationship in the movie.
0: One other thing that is worth bringing up about the gender swap um, is some something that we've covered today and how it would change if Liette were uh, in in the like Dune Encyclopedia if Liette were a woman. Yeah, and what this is is the idea of a Sayadina as Nape. Which doesn't really happen in fremen culture, right? With that being the case, imagine young woman Liette Kynes is out on a sand journey, and Pardo dies. Liette comes back to the siege, and she finds Stilgar having recently killed Farad. uh, I don't see this as a moment of, oh, she's going to become nabe because that's just not how fremen culture works, and. If anything, Liette as a character, broadly, very much leans into Fremen traditions in a lot of ways. So I am curious about, like, what is the nature of Liette and Stilgar's relationship in this adaptation, right? Like, right. do they have that same history? Did Stilgar raise Liette as a young woman? Or are they just kind of, they were in the same siege, so they know each other and care about each other. Like, yeah. I'm curious to see if we explore that Again, looking at how economic this first movie was with how much time they spent on certain characters, I I just don't think we're going to have time because there's so much to cover, but something to think about, you know? Right. But I think it's more just like an open question that could have a number of totally valid, beautiful answers.
1: Right. And it is important to remember that we are huge Dune fans who are asking questions about a thing that... Didn't even make it in the actual, but (laughs) like we're talking about lore, extended lore facts from a fucking 700 page encyclopedia.
0: (laughs) I don't, is that weird? I feel like that's normal. Is that not?
1: (laughs) I mean, that's perfectly normal to me, but I I imagine (laughs) the average person doesn't do that. So uh, I'm putting myself in their shoes. (laughs) Oh, sure. And... I, I imagine most people aren't like, let me read a 700-page thing to explain every tiny facet of this universe. What? Why not? And then make a podcast <laughs> about it. But here we are. So <laughs> I, I think that context is important to remember, too, is we would love for some of these ideas to make their way into the films, but yeah, there is sort of a main story that has to be told, and the extended stuff is extended for a reason. Right. It, it's fun to explore and dive into in a setting like this or in conversations like this, but... Danny's got a lot on his plate for part two. Right. So we'd love for him to bring some of that cool encyclopedia lore in and weave it into the story. But I personally am not holding my breath to see some sort of deep exploration of a stilgar relationship in history in the movie.
0: Yeah. If anything, you know, so Frank in, in, in our Road to Dune episode, we have that quote about Frank talking about his story built in layers. And I think he has made it clear like even with the Gamjabar scene like he had that in a library with the walls floor to ceiling books because he wanted to show that this is a world with books and not computers and that's like a subtle background detail that tells a lot yeah. about the about the universe that right. you could totally miss uh but is there technically yeah maybe in part 2 we'll get some background detail or a framed picture or a garment with a specific stitching into it, you know. I mean, the fact that Gurney is reading like an appendix of an old Lutheran text in German <laughs> in yeah. one t- like two two frame scene is pretty nuts to me. So I'm not putting anything past Denis and their like props department <laughs> to like oh certainly not make yeah. things. But I think yeah, I think you're right. We're not going to get a lot of time on these details. They might be there, and I hope they're there, but. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. And you know, you and I, Leo and our wonderful listeners will just have to talk about them here on the podcast when we break down the movie frame by frame.
0: (laughs) Another seven hour recording session. Yep. (laughs) That is not an exaggeration.
1: (laughs) A lot of dick jokes in that one.
0: (laughs) So many. Well, let's (laughs) wrap up. Let's wrap up this episode as we do with a question. What is, Abu, one scene of Lietz from Dune Mm -hmm. that for you, with everything we've talked about today, that for you maybe has some new depth, maybe has uh, some new, like a new breath of life to it uh, that we can kind of revel in together that jumps out to you?
1: Yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. A lot of Lietz's actions have kind of taken on a new shape for me after today's episode. But I think the one scene that I can't wait to go back and reread and revisit is tragically Liette's final moments. Yeah. Those final moments when he's out on the sand, hallucinating his father, yeah. our only time we actually meet Pardo in the book now takes on a much more tragic tone for me, knowing how cold and distant and frankly like traumatic their relationship was with each other. Yeah, It's clear that this father son relationship was, Pretty awful and very transactional. And it's kind of sad to think that in his dying moments, Liet wasn't out here hallucinating or thinking of his daughter or his wife, but his father. That, to me, speaks to the level of, like, effect Pardo had on his son. Yeah. How how deeply seated that generational trauma was, that in his dying moments. Yeah. All he hears is another fucking lecture from this man <laughs> about ecology.
0: Right. Oh, my God.
1: It's just so fitting. And it fits with everything we've discussed today, knowing Liette's history and relationship with his father and the decision he made with Chani, the beautiful decision to let her be her own independent person. All of it just makes those final moments of Liette in the book and that final chapter with him so much more meaningful to me. Yeah. And... For that, I'm grateful. Like, these are the types of conversations that make me revisit the story I love so much and see it through new eyes.
0: Totally. That's such a great point. And that's so tragic. Yeah. The thought that he's not thinking about Shawnee at the moment of his death, <laughs> but his dad. Oh, right. God. Ugh. Sad. That's brutal.
1: What about you, though? Any new depth to Liette's character after our conversation today for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, pretty much every one of Liette's scenes now has this added degree of like seeing them balance on the knife's edge and understanding this idea of leading the Fremen but also being the planetologist and following Pardo's footsteps as a sense of obligation and like all of those things are now present for me in those scenes. Yeah, But something that really kind of I, I really appreciate is we I'm trying to think we don't get really a Liette-Stilgar scene, right? No. That I can remember. Please, write in if I'm completely wrong on this, but I'm not remembering any scene where they're both actively present. That being said, Stilgar does notably mention Liette a few times, specifically when Stilgar says something along the lines of, paraphrasing, Liette's orders, you know, keep Paul safe, keep the, keep the Duke, the Naduk safe. Without knowing any of their history, that just sounds like, okay, Stilgar's just another Fremen, just a dude, whatever. Like, they're just Fremen who know each other through being Fremen. Stilgar is literally talking about Liet, his brother, <laughs> the, the child he raised. Yeah. I see that relationship as just very subtly adding a lot of depth to, I guess, even just Stilgar's relationship with Liet. Because we spend a lot of time with Stilgar. We don't spend a lot of time with Liette, And knowing that who Liet is to Stil- Stilgar and knowing more about their relationship and how close they were really, really drives home, um, I think, the value of these sorts of episodes. Yeah. And also knowing that, like, Chani, born, you know, loses her mother so early in her life and then has her godparents, godfather Stilgar, again, that she's in his troop becomes more meaningful because we know more about Liet's family unit. And we know more about Liet giving Chani that freedom and everything that Chani is, is like a reflection of who Liet is and who Liet wasn't able to become because of his father.
1: Yeah. And it kind of makes Stilgar playing matchmaker
0: (laughs) keep. Yeah. It's his goddaughter. He's like, you know what? That kid's handsome. He seems like a good kid.
1: Look at that jawline.
0: Look at that jawline. Look at that chin. Oh, beautiful, beautiful (laughs) lad. Totally. So that's, that's, that's my thought.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think the lesson today yeah. was that take time to be a dad like Stilgar. Like yeah. he's out you're like raising so many people. <laughs> Half of Dune. Half of Dune. And look, a, a, in his position as Nabe, he's raising the goddamn siege. He's the raising the a, whole the siege. The suit's a
0: hero. We also missed the paragraph where he went off and raised Fade Rautha, which is confusing. <laughs> But it's true. It's just, you can't deny.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. That final Paul Fade scene, real complicated emotions for us. Yeah.
0: Only you know, these two kids are raised, you know?
1: <laughs> That's, none of that is true.
0: And Shaddam's there. He's like, I raised Shaddam too. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we haven't mentioned this before, but we have a third producer on Gamjabar, yeah. It's
1: Stilgar it's He Stilgar. started this podcast, right? Right. Stillgar raised us.
0: <laughs> yeah, Papa Stilgar That's what he did. The art <laughs> for that. No, sir. I w- couldn't go with that bit. My my father did the art. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't disrespect Mick Wiggins, Wiggins yeah. in no. this way.
0: Respect on his name. My father would not be snuck up on by Sardaukar
1: <laughs> Never. Your father is a trained fighter, and we know it.
0: It's true. Unless he's had a glass of wine.
1: A, a, a well-respected hunter, gatherer, <laughs> right. tracker. And one of the best knife fighters I've ever seen,
0: personally. I mean, he like hunts down business as an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on LordParty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lord underscore Party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. rachel inspector gordon (laughs)
1: inspector gordon i think it's i think it's commissioner gordon it's commissioner gordon i got his
0: job wrong mortician (laughs) gordon (laughs) victoria's secret mortal gordon (laughs) yes yes (laughs) oh yes batman